What's going on? It's CJ today, Slayer from the Upgrade America podcast, episode 96. Like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. We're on YouTube and all streaming platforms. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. We're going to be talking about the Democrats trying to impeach the current president as we sit. Um, We're going to talk about the first woman being executed in 67 years by the feds. And we're going to talk about being COVID negative to travel. How is that going to affect your life? And is the NRA going extinct? Also, I want to highlight two awesome trailblazing Americans, Muhammad Ali and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for their fight for black American human rights and the human rights of all Americans. If you really take it in the totality, shout out and salute to those men's legacies and families. Like, share, subscribe. Peace out. Upgrade America, the next generation. Information is power and reflects on the nation. Hosted by Cameron and CJ the Dayslayer. Upgrade America. Get back. Right. What's up, Southern Chocolate? Hey, girl. Yo, here we go. What's up, Will? Hey, hola, Upgraders. It's that time of time of the week again you know we're going live upgrade america episode 96 really great show for you i'm cameron rock got cj the best play over there i'm gonna leave it off with a little spoken word and then okay. go right into it yo 3d hatter on deck big shout out to nine you know she hooked it up with the the black jesus with the gold crown and the, the diamonds in the eyes a little something unique for you but yo i'm gonna say this one time Power is steady moving. Power is steady changing. Power of revolution. We have the power to change things. Evolve or die. To you, to every government. We have the means to end hunger and homelessness. Dear Republicans and Democrats, both y'all cheated. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Only the weaker is defeated. I guess it ain't my time yet. But power is steady changing, with or without elections, constitutions, etc. We will have equality, if only in outer heaven. Let me stop preaching. I'm not a reverend. Upgrade America. Ah. (laughs) Let's roll into this, man. We got a great show. You know, got to do it for the poets. What's up, Living Life 4850? What up, bro? Chilling. Work Life Indianapolis. IG is already flaming up. That's what's up. That's what's up. All right. I love your IG, bro. Like they they really keep uh they really keep our show really lit. Your Facebook did too last week. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of participation. That was really great. So I'm saying uh what we got on the rundown. We got a UA law proposal, of course. Um, Dems on the offensive for impeachment. We've been talking about this and it's starting to make the news. Um, First woman executed in 67 years. So we're gonna talk about this. I think it's, I don't know if she actually got executed or not. We'll dive into it. It looks like she did. Uh, We've been talking about being COVID negative to travel. So that's been popping up again. Um, I wanted to share a story from Orlando about police equality, uh, police brutality, how they're trying to make steps to improve it with the community. So I figured that's a good little article to discuss. We're gonna talk about 
the Biden administration coming into power. So we're going to start highlighting them a little bit, see what they're doing. Um, they're getting the same energy as the Trump administration. Just believe. Oh, yeah, no doubt. We are very objective independent. Um, we're talking about the insurrection at the Capitol. Um, we're talking about troops. We're talking about the NRA going extinct, possibly. Mm. And yeah, that's pretty wild. And who would replace them? There's still that uh, uh, Naga. Mm-hmm. They could fill that power gap. Um, that's all we got. Everything else we'll throw in the mix. Hmm. Well, I guess what are we going to leave this off with, man? So the Democrats impeachment. So this is a LinkedIn article, I see. Yeah, there's a couple LinkedIn. I think I got three LinkedIn. LinkedIn has some good little news clips on there. So what I really find ironic is, and maybe historically, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, like, this would be the first president to be like impeached after being out of office. Uh, yeah, and then for a second time too. On top no, of that, we already nailed that record. But I'm talking about like the process, and and we 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 declared this and we discussed this before. Like an impeachment is not a criminal charge. After you get impeached, it's not like you go to jail mm-hmm. you know? excuse me now even after the trial even after there's a senate trial in, in the senate you don't go to jail after that you still have to go through a criminal court so is that what they're setting this up like okay he's impeached outside of his term and then it's just a, a prerequisite to go to to a different to another form of court i don't know I will read off the quick LinkedIn article. Um, Trump impeached for the second time. That's kind of like the headline. House representatives voted to impeach President Trump Wednesday, charging him with the incitement of insurrection following last week's deadly siege on the U.S. Capitol building. Ten Republicans voted in favor of impeaching the president. The vote is an historic one. Only two other presidents have been impeached and no one has been impeached twice. Uh, let's see. Senate leader, uh, Senate leader Mitch McConnell said he will not bring the chamber back before January 19th, effectively punning a trial to convict President Trump on charges until after the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. Vice President Mike Pence said in a letter to the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi Tuesday that he would not invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office. A subsequent House vote Tuesday night still called on him to do so. The mall in Washington, D.C. will be closed on Inauguration Day, January 20th. The Washington Post reported, citing anonymous officials and more than 20,000 National Guard troops have been already called up to defend the presidential swearing in. Can you say that number again? 20,000 National Guard troops. 20,000. Mm-hmm. Yo, that's a lot of force. That's a lot of force, concentrated force in America. Have you recalled? I, I and I don't, because I mean, most of my 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 time was overseas. But do you recall any concentration, uh, troop strength of that magnitude, in, in recently, in the last ten years? Probably. Germany and between Germany and Korea would have those. No, no, I'm talking about in, in America. 
outside of these protests, not that I could think of. Um, no. Well, I wanted to say real quick because I I wasn't completely sure what the Twenty Fifth Amendment is and the 25th amendment to the united states constitutional reads section one case of the removal of the president from office or of his death or resignation the vice president shall become president okay section two whenever there is a vacancy in the office of the vice president yeah yeah we get that but i'm i don't understand what they mean by he can invoke that hence can't just say yo i'm stepping up and i'm gonna be resident now mm-hmm Oh, that's a good question. And oh, also to all our upgraders nationwide, the FBI has warned police chiefs across the country to be on alert for extremist activity. Mm. And a- again, that's a that's a freebie. Like any any junior analyst could could tell you that. It's I don't want to say. And I'm just gonna say it anyway. This could be used to a political advantage. And mm-hmm. again, it's only, what, let's call it three days for, for them to call my bluff. But in a very an incident could occur that could institute, that could force the president to institute martial law. So they just caught a man near the Capitol with a handgun and 500 rounds. And I do believe he had a uh, fraudulent inauguration credentials. So mm. when I tell you, like these boys is, is they're planning some some crazy stuff. I mean, again, I'm not I'm far removed from the security theater, and I can still do my threat assessment. And I, I could tell you, be be wary. But um, again, I'm, I'm going with the notion that. If something happens before the inauguration, even though the inauguration is a formality, Congress declared Biden president, yada, 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 mm-hmm. and Trump is still in power when that incident occurs before there's that changeover switch. Like, <laughs> I don't think you would do a, you don't change command in martial law. Mm. I don't think you do. Like all of that is, uh, it's superseded. There's already 20,000 troops in place. Like, for me, this is, like, the greatest show of force I've seen in quite some time. What are your thoughts, man? I'm looking it up, because you bring up something interesting. Can you change presidents during martial law? Because he's really not president. He's commander-in-chief, then. I'm trying to... There's no executive function. There's no judicial function. There's just the mil- the grand old military running the entire country, if not the world. I'm going on Cura, where they pose questions and stuff, and they kind of crowdsource answers. Right on. I like them. It's a, a uh-huh. great source for human intel. Yeah. Um, would the so the question was: Would the presidential election be put on hold if martial law was instilled? Theoretically, somebody answers Jose Bustamante from the University of Houston. Um, It's theoretically supportable for a president to impose martial law, but only theoretical. Um, In reality, the pandemic would have caused widespread. All right, so I'm going to just try to get to the point. Uh, The thing is, 
during um was there any election when Abraham Lincoln declared martial law? Hmm. I'm gonna look that up while you're while you Yeah, I'm just trying to find like the basis of it. What, okay. Man. What's up, Bama? On IG. What up, Bama? Uh let's see. But that's um okay, so they said he did it in 1863. Okay. So Proclamation 113, Declaration of Martial Law. Now, therefore, I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, by virtue and authority that's been made by the Constitution and laws, do hereby declare that in my judgment, the public safety especially requires that the suspension of the privilege of writ of habeas corpus. Oh, man, those are terrifying words. The I know, right? Of the privilege of writ of habeas corpus, so proclaimed in the said proclamation of the 15th of September 1863, made effectual and duly enforced. Duly enforced. Yeah, there is. I don't know, man. I don't think we're going to find it in there. Basically, but, what it what it came came down to what this means basically is if Trump managed to delay the election, it would not extend past his term of office by one minute. Basically, how it's set up by the twentieth amendment. It said all that would happen at noon on twenty of January twenty twenty one is then Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi would be sworn in as his successor. <laughs> Hold on, you're saying under martial law? No, they're saying, like, I guess if he tried to pull something, like, maybe like martial law or something, it's still going to keep going through based on Congress and all this stuff. So, no, no, let, let's walk with me through this scenario, right? Okay. So, whether it's Antifa, a collection of Antifa, Proud Boys, the Boogaloos, so there's a FBI... Uh, threat warning about about the Boogaloo's. Evidently, while they are not particularly Trump supporters, they were inspired by the Capitol siege. Mm-hmm. And there's that. Let's just say you have a whole mix of, of bad actors outside of the Capitol interfering with that political inauguration to the point where it is a large-scale civil unrest. Again, 20,000 troops and ain't just that's that's a great show of force. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what I'm saying is, it, it just turns into to madness, and it's clearly not business as usual. So, I don't think uh, the the media, everyone's attention would be focused on this. Not so much as, hey, when is Biden going to do this inauguration? It would be how you say it, it would almost be detrimental. Mm-hmm. Stop managing the crisis to do a change of command. You get what I'm saying? Yes, and I was gonna. I got a point for you that we can make. You can do it all digitally. Hmm. We're in a, we're in, in unprecedented times. You know the threat assessment. You know the threat level. Why not do the inauguration digitally? We did debates. We've been doing everything else that way. Yeah. Again. It's three days. We'll see. Um, I think I'm I'm chilling. I'm laying low for the twentieth. I don't think I'll be anywhere near Washington this time. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's um, these are some really strange times in history. Man. 
like really really strange times for that, that's going down but yeah impeachment what's the point of it maybe to uh and to pursue criminal charges after trump leaves office that's my only assumption for why they would want to do this that's pretty much the sentiment of what i've been hearing on the democrats i gotta catch up on my podcast Mm-hmm. The uh, Intercept is really good, and then NPR as well. Um, I, like I need to catch up on, yeah, because I'm kind of out of the loop of what's been said. Um, the 20th Amendment, I'll read this off real quick because it's very okay. pinpointing on what we're talking about. The 20th Amendment also explicitly gives Congress the sole power to set the procedure by which someone succeeds to the office if nobody is eligible nobody eligible has been elected at the time that the new term must start so uh the current legislation covering this is the presidential succession act of 1947. by this law the speaker of the house would become president if for whatever reason a new eligible person has not been elected by the beginning of the next presidential term i.e noon january 20th of the appropriate year So by noon. Funny. Yeah, Trump is leaving uh, three, I believe he's leaving three hours before the inauguration. Mm. You know what time it is? The inauguration is? Oh, let, me, let me Google that. Yeah, that's a good question. I am here. Thanks for so, bearing with us for reading up on all this stuff because it's kind of interesting and it's quite confusing too at the same time but you know what i find was a, a another uh big security lapse is i know biden was big on taking the train and stuff mm-hmm. but he announced that he was going to take the train in from um how do you say for his inauguration he's long since canceled that he's planned mm-hmm. but even the, that type of declaration it's ballsy and it puts uh, it puts a really big burden on the Secret Service. Like, I oh yeah, absolutely. After you guys, like, I'm just thinking, like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. So inauguration. Okay, 2021. There we are. So yeah, it's January 20th. What time? Okay, so saying when will the ceremony be held? When is the inauguration date and time? TV, how to watch it? So, yeah, my bad. Well, I'm searching for this, man. What, what else we got on here? Uh, I wanted to kind of go over the uh, first woman executed. Well, she was already executed um, in 67 years, Lisa Montgomery. And what do you know what her crimes were? Pretty grisly. Um, I read them off. Oof. I was like, damn, that's kind of messed up. All right, let's see here. This is from the US Today, the Indy Star. Actually, I know where that's located at, the Indiana newspaper. I drive past it going to work. Also, oh, this happened in where you're at. Uh, actually, hold on. Oh, so I she do believe been. the inauguration will be at 9 a.m. Yeah, time until, so it's going to be January 20th, mm-hmm. 9 a.m. And, uh, in Washington. So, yeah, that's, 
that's that should be interesting. But no, what are you saying it was her, her crime? Um, she's convicted of killing a 23-year-old expectant mother, Bobby Joe Stennett, in Skidmore, Missouri, in December of 04. Let's see. Uh, uh, Montgomery strangled the woman who was eight months pregnant, then cut the baby girl from her womb with a knife. Then took the child back home with her to Melvern, Kansas, passing the baby off as her own. Did the baby yeah, I think the baby is 16 by now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Living with her father and other family members. So, Kenneth, like, what constitutes, like, murder happens every day, but why do some murders are deserving of the death penalty and others are not? Again, I already say where I stand on, on it, I'm not. I'm against it, unless it's treason. Then you know you should be hung from the neck until dead or shot in a firing squad and I'm not against crucifixion. I yeah, that's where I stand with the death penalty. But what about you? Uh well first she was executed here in Indiana, their federal penitentiary, Terry Holt, Indiana. That's where their penitentiary is. Um I would say it just depends on the crime. Like this one, I do feel like she should be killed. I mean, what are we gonna leave her in jail for? I, I'm I'm still going with the whole uh, what is it? What's the asylum in Batman? Was it Arkham Asylum? Arkham asylum, like yeah. you're criminally insane. Like people are. I think that we. This entire nation stems from the, a lot of the fucked upfulness stems from a lack of a sound access to mental health. Oh, absolutely! And like, you know, we're 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 warriors. You know, we we came back from you know from combat deployments, and that's why we have easy access of mental health. But the average person who's been raped and beat and what have you, it's like they have all this trauma, and then they don't decompress it. And it just leads to all, and it's it's just countless people. <laughs> Without going to war, life is traumatic, and we don't have a system in place to, uh, you know, to, to support it. So I, I'm going with the, the notion that, you know, jail should not be a dungeon; it should be a really a real re- rehabilitation center. I do agree with that sentiment, and we've discussed that. Um, we do need to make it more where we try to make you a better member of society by learning from your mistakes. So I do agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, America needs therapy. I know somebody made a joke about that or something, but it's like America needs to be put on the couch. It does, it does though. It's like, we, we, it's like the lack of reparations, the lack of any monuments, you know, post-slavery for, you know, for as an apologetic. It's saying we have, as a nation, we have a lot of regress hatred that's just being pushed down it's just a huge elephant in the room that we're not talking about and like if you were to sum up america like personify her you know she's a racist bitch and there's some shit that she needs to get off her chest but collectively yeah we could all use some mental health access to mental health and to look at it again like killing people it sucks crimes really suck it, it does, and to, to the families, the victims, and stuff like that, 
there's a part of you that thinks like, ha ha ha, killing them will make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And maybe for an instant, maybe for a moment, for a brief moment, yeah, it might feel real good. But it's not going to bring your loved ones back. And it's it, after that, you're, you're going to feel numb. You know, so it's like, I still think the there's ways that the state, these bankrupt states can benefit. No forced labor, but volunteer labor in, in exchange for better living conditions. You know, this is a way that we could get a lot of labor from China. You know, we could stop outsourcing stuff to China because we could get it done better domestically. Oh, all I got to do is give you a, a, a room with some drywall instead of, uh, you know, this little stone dungeon and, you know, you'll do some, some labor. Like, there's so many trade-offs that, that can be done, but that's a you you raise a good point about the outsourcing that we do abroad and shout out to my cousin monique hi monique happy sunday um you raise a good point on that that's another slept on between the homeless and prisoners or inmates um we can get a lot done i i agree and again about the same time we have to emphasize that it must be volunteer. Because here's mm-hmm. the point: in a capitalist society, <laughs> they they use the example where they, you create the you create the problem and you create the cure. Mm-hmm. But in a capitalist society, if they're like, oh, we got we have all this cheap labor, it almost seems like the industry will find a way to to keep that cheap labor coming. And I think prison industrial complex. That's why. Drugs are so easy to get smuggled into to the country. That's why you can find, a, how do you say, you can find a quarter brick of cocaine in the projects, but you can't find a, all these metric tons of coke coming in, you know, at the ports and uh, at all these points of entry. It still can be, you know what I mean? That's capitalism, though, because lawyers are getting broke up, courts are getting broke up. And that's the system that we're in. We have to get away from that. We can still make money. There's still money that can be made. It's just do it a different way. Yeah, not only that, and we've discussed this, there's no reason why our court system should be clogged up with cases, with yeah. technology that we have now. Yes, indeed. Uh-huh. I mean, for one, let's dismiss all the weed cases. Because it's like, it's, it's a real slap in the face if it's like, this state is, <laughs> this state is legalizing it now and all decriminalizing. Okay, cool. Dismiss all these cases, you know, for one. But I agree, using technology to speed it up, it, it needs to be done. And you need that's why you need uh, younger blood in these positions to upgrade America. Facts. And on top of that, and I brought up that because I know a paralegal. I live next to one, and then I've been witnessing coworkers and stuff do legal stuff through Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if you're doing that. Think about how much time you're saving. Court costs, all this stuff. You're just knocking it out. So I don't know. I think that's what that technology is disrupting how we do things in a good way, in my opinion. I'm actually saying this, but I'm looking at it like we should definitely be doing stuff more efficiently at this point. Like, come on now. Agreed. And it's like just my only concern with the court system and doing it this way is that people get dehumanized. Yes, I do. You want to dehumanize it in a way where 
it is how you say we don't view defendants by race and uh and creed in that I, I would like the criminal justice system to evolve in a way where defendants cannot be racial profiled i would love to use technology in, in that way you know but at the same time i don't want it, people to be like oh it's just a number on the screen we can mm-hmm. sentence them to life to, to live or to die so what an example of that would be so let's let's just set up a real quick case i don't know maybe a simple assault and battery or something like that um white woman hits black man they're both like 20. okay she was the aggressor in the case how would you present her demographics and effects of the case now um just give it. I haven't passed the bar, but how? Why would her demographics be pertinent? If we're just, if she's just being judged on the crime, I would say like forget the demographics. Even forget her name. Her age maybe wouldn't even be. Maybe the age would be important. I don't know. Gender maybe, but at the same time, it's like. If you have some metrics to measure how how bad uh, the victim was was damaged or injured or what have you, you know, like that's really I don't want to say it should be based on the raw data. Like mm-hmm. this person did quant x quantitative amount of damage to that person, resulting in this. And then I don't want to say it should be like an algorithm. Be like, oh well, then here you go. But I, I, I don't know, man. It's it's we had the discussion about would you rather be judged by an AI, a non-biased AI, and there can be bias. Bias can be programmed into AI, but in this scenario, we're talking about a non-biased AI or natural humans who who are by default are prejudiced and biased. Mm-hmm. And I do I do I thought I recall you saying it was you would be rather be judged by the ai oh man i'm trying to remember um i think i said that i might i, I agree with that i would agree and that, again we're going with the perfect world where there are no biases programmed into the, that system i would rather be judged in that system than one that's we <laughs> dependent on on humans which are in, infallible by 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 default by nature you know we're, we're fallible we're failable we're human error you know mm-hmm. yeah. um i don't know this is us trying to upgrade america trying to do better um but <sighs> here we go traveling air travelers this is another article from linkedin air travelers would need a negative test most air passengers coming to the u.s from abroad including children from the age of two will be required to present a negative COVID-19 wow. test taken yep, within 72 hours of their trip. The new rules introduced by the CDC will come into effect January 26th. Only certain passengers trans- transiting through the country or coming from places with little testing capacity will be able to enter the country without a negative test. The U.S. currently bans most visitors from Brazil and Europe. Hmm. Well, that's pretty interesting. 
And I don't know if we had on the, um, you know, on the agenda Biden's plan, his 100-day plan. But off the rip, he wants to lift the travel ban. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see a lot more um, influx coming with that. I'm just curious, when are they going to bring out this digital passport thing that's like a um, digital vaccine passport, I mean. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned, we, we foresaw it coming and, and here it is. Fortunately, it, it seemed to be pertaining to overseas travel. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say it's gotten to the point where, you know, like domestic flights are like that. Did they ever roll out that real ID initiative? I think that was delayed. Was it? Yeah, I don't know. I have not flown since uh, the pandemic started, so I can't say. I would assume my ID is real ID because I've flown multiple times now at this point. So uh, no, no, don't assume. Like the real ID, you actually have to, you actually have to come back in with your birth certificate and your social, maybe something else, and then it's just, uh, it's another, it's another form of authentication on there. Like it, 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 if you check yours, it may say, like I'm pretty sure mine says this is not real ID. Um, let me see. You raise an interesting point. Um, where is my wallet? Yeah, yeah. So mine says not for real ID purposes. Mm. Mine doesn't have anything on there stating a real ID, but what from what I understand, I have a gold star on mine that's supposed to signify it is a real ID. Oh, then you then you're good then. So I'm not sure, but I mean, that's what it says. So I have to look because I know I've seen other newer Florida license that look different from mine. So I don't know. Well, it's like for me, I consider that that real ID thing is like a stateside passport. Yeah. When you really think about how America is bigger than Europe, you know, and while (laughs) Europe was doing the European Union thing, you could just drive to different countries. You know, like we drive to different states. That's kind of how it is. But I guess there, there's going to be more accountability on how people are flying. But what else we got on this uh, on this rundown? Uh, more news from LinkedIn real quick. So the city of Orlando over the last several months has taken a number of steps to strengthen our efforts to address racial inequity within our community. Actions include investments in like expanding city youth programs and strengthening Orlando Police Department use of force policies Hmm. in an effort to make Orlando a city where every resident can feel equally valued and equally protected and has a real opportunity to thrive. So they created a new equity official position within the mayor's office. They're going to embed equity and inclusion into everything we do as a municipal government. Ah, What do you mean by equity and inclusion? Because I know that's a buzzword that's thrown around Mm -hmm. a lot. But what what do they mean by equity? Excuse me. Um, Let's see. That's all it kind of said for now. Basically, um, I get. I guess it kind of. I kind of think of this in the corporate world where they say diversity and inclusion, right? Mm-hmm. 
So every decision they make, they make sure they have that in mind, but not necessarily, they don't necessarily follow that sometimes. Well, a lot of the times they just do that to kind of placate the people that are complaining or lawsuits or whatever. So I'm really curious to see how this plays out. And I'm curious to see the surrounding cities in Orlando following suit. Um, like I said, Orlando's pretty diverse, so it kind of makes sense it starts there first within the Orlando metropolitan area. Um, her name is Miss, what's her name? I just saw it. She looks like she's gonna do a great job, hopefully. That's what's up. Miss Green. Uh, Mercon Green? My, I might have butchered her name. Uh, black woman leading the charge on that one. So shout out to you. You know what I'm saying? Do your thing. Um, I'm curious. I have to read up more on it, to be honest. But I like the headline, and it goes back to what we've been talking about. Use of force, community engagement. Um, I'll be really curious to see more of the progression of this. And perhaps since, you know, um, we are having a more uh, Democrats in office, I would like to write some of our lawmakers on standardizing the use of force model across the nation. You know, that would show some cohesion among law enforcement, some, you know, some, some continuity. But I, I think uh, I like her approaching and where they're going. I just want to, you know, get more understanding of what they mean by equity in there. But inclusion is, is right. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, you know, we, we've talked about this. You'll say all these uh, flowery terms and all this, but then you don't do anything substantial. Like, you don't see the change. It'll be, like, just enough to be like, all right, we did our part, and then resume business as normal. It's like, no, you got it's continuous work. Like, I agree. we have to see the progress and got to see the results. So, so going on, you, know, you know how I am on sci-fi and technology. Gotcha. I threw a question at you about being judged by, how do you say, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know those, um, how do you say, Boston uh, mechanics robots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, dancing and wielding guns and stuff like that. <laughs> Would you rather be <laughs> policed by flesh and blood humans with inherent biases, racial tendencies, racist tendencies, and, and what have you, or... And again, perfect world, non-biased killer robots. So basically RoboCops that are non-biased. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to stick with the humans for now. Till we get the bugs out. Yeah, something about that trips me out a little bit. Like at least I know I can talk to them. You know, like feel each other out a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, bro, non-threatening, hands up. You know, we're having a conversation. Versus a robot, like analyzing me and scanning me and be like, like the accidents and stuff. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I hold off on that one. <laughs> it's like I would hold off on it too. But again, this stuff fascinates me. So I follow mm-hmm. the trends and I follow the news. And that seems to be definitely where the military is going with uh, using more robots and uh, UAVs unmanned 
aircraft. Mm-hmm. But it's like, again, police follow military trends. So if you can have this, uh, particularly in, as a nation, it teeter-totters on instability, you know, like, and civil unrest will have you, having these robots, you know, to mitigate damage for, uh, you know, flesh and blood officers would definitely be advantageous. But me personally, yeah, I see it's inevitable, but I do agree having that, being able to reason, you know, uh, with, with another human being is definitely uh, an advantage, but at the same time, margin of error and Jacob Blake's shoes, seeing the footage from, you know, Jacob Blake's shooting, it's just like, mm-hmm. would a machine do that? And I dare say no. Mm. That's true. A lot of these scenarios, I don't think the machine would have did that, to be honest. Yeah, now you got me kind of thinking, but I still feel like I got more of a shot with a human, mm-hmm. no pun intended, than a machine. So it's like, I'm, I'm dabbling in the cybersecurity. I watched Mr. Robot, loved it. The ending almost brought a tear to my eye. And mm-hmm. movies don't make me cry. But I'm getting into cybersecurity and I'm learning about threats and everything. And that is where I would be concerned. Where it's like, okay, now you have armed killer robots. At the same time, if a bad actor can access this, it's almost like demonic possession, taking control of entire fleets of like, you know, armed uh, robots could be very, very devastating. And again, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, yo, FBI, CIA, if you relay this to, to the president, like, we need a cyber force. As we depend more on robots and technology, yeah, space force is cool. But we need a cyber force of keyboard-wielding warriors. Yeah, they can be mobile and deployable as well. You already know it. Like, um, you're yeah, uh, well, you want to talk about this? Biden to deploy FEMA National Guard as part of national vaccination plan. Biden mm-hmm. has said his goal is for 100 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines to be administered within the first 100 days of his presidency. So what does that mean? You're talking about a million people a day. Wow. So if he's saying, he says, hold on, let me, let me ring this up. So delays in vaccination... Okay, troops for Biden. And again, uh, I told you this was a concern. We were discussing this back in like 2020. Mm-hmm. Wow. So no, this is this isn't the one, but it is showing us to show a force up to 25,000 troops to send on Washington for Biden's inauguration. But here's what you guys understand. Yeah, they're for Biden's inauguration, but right now, right now at 12. 12- 04 p.m. on the 17th of, of January, those troops fall under Trump's command. Mm-hmm. And they will stay under his command under until there's a proper change of command. But the one that that you're talking about with uh, with Biden, mm-hmm. you know the head, what the headline is on that? Do you have that link on here? Yeah. Should be on there. NPR insurrection troops to send on Washington. So that's is it the delays on let me see this one. 
Okay. So, yeah, I, I got it. It's the okay. it's the let me say NBC News one. So okay, yeah. Biden to deploy FEMA National Guard as part of national vaccination plan. So Biden has said that his goal is for 100 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines to be administrated within his first 100 days of his presidency. So again, simple mathematics: one million, one million doses a day and then some some additional mathematics what we say american population is like 350 million something like that so that's 15 i don't do public math anyways let me let me read a little bit of this so president-elect joe biden on friday said he would deploy the federal emergency management agency and the national to help set up vaccine clinics across the U.S. as part of an ambitious plan to get shots to millions of Americans. Reminding the public that help is soon on the way, in his speech from Wilmington, Delaware, Biden outlined a five-part plan to turn frustration to motivation that will get the U.S. out of the pandemic. Under the plan, the White House would enlist the support of FEMA and the National Guard to set up thousands of community vaccination sites to help states vaccinate more people. To support states, Biden said the federal government would fully reimburse states for their use of the National Guard. I'm skimming this because I want to see if there's any mention of going house to house, tricking the door, waving the M4. Okay. <laughs> also, under the plan, Biden would also jumpstart efforts to make vaccinations available at pharmacies across the country. That's cool. So, Look at this. Looks like life force to me. That's what I'm reading in this. And I do like the notion of it. Again, I, I don't see it's a, there's still a bit more in the articles. Um, I get I like the mobility. That's great. So maybe they he did read the book. Yeah, they they we know they listen to the podcast. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to y'all, BC. We know y'all listen. Whatever it takes to you know to upgrade America, I'm with it. So they're saying the death toll continues to climb for several days in a row. It exceeds four thousand deaths, according to NBC News. Data tracking there, over thirty nine thousand people have died from the disease, and have been more than twenty three million cases. Wow. But um, yeah, this is this goes on. Wait, wait, wait. So here's some key takeaways. Mm-hmm. So in primetime speech Thursday, Biden laid out a 1.9 trillion dollar relief package that he wants Congress to quickly pass out to people who are struggling from the coronavirus pandemic. To plan, uh, the plan would provide $1,400 direct payments and include up to an extra $400 per week for people who are unemployed. It would raise the minimum wage. Okay, so here's the, here's the kicker. It would also raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Yo, hmm. CJ, you mentioned like in Florida, they said they were gonna get the, they were gonna get to $15 an hour, but you, I thought you said it was like 2026. It's something like that. Yeah, like this year is supposed to matter of fact, it should have jumped up to like $10. I think this year they're going to bump the minimum wage up to $10 in Florida. But what up does that from, mean? I'm trying um, to do a bunch of macro, macroeconomics in my head. If everyone, the bare minimum, 
everyone's getting 15. What does that mean? Do they have to rate this? Does everyone else have to get a pay raise too? Like, I, I, I don't know. It would change the game. Um, but this is my argument to how, how should I put it? It doesn't affect businesses and stuff if you have the proper incentives behind it for the businesses as well. Like payroll incentive, tax okay. incentives, or something like that. If that is right behind the way, I don't see it being a problem. And I think... Now, can, but, you, can you break that down, the payroll tax incentive? Like, how would that help the business? Well, I think, because I think the biggest... We know the biggest cost to a business is overhead, right? Pretty much people's salaries. I know another big cost is unemployment. I know another big cost is health insurance, providing health insurance. Yes, indeed. Another big cost is, um, let's see, health insurance, unemployment insurance, salary. I think those are like the three major costs running a business for the most part. Um, but then you do have taxes. You have like state tax, depending on your locale. Then you have like, I think payroll tax. So let me see what payroll tax actually is. Um, because again, I'm just thinking, what is the price of an iPhone going to be? What is the price of PlayStation 6 going to be if everyone is by default, regardless of your skill set, is getting more money? So it's like, and I, again, I'm, I'm no economics. Yeah. It's like, yeah. would you, because, okay, before, if you're paying someone to do, like, work in a restaurant, barista, what, what have you, and they're getting paid, how do you say, let's say they're getting paid $10 an hour. Let's just say in this world, in this, this scenario, the manager was getting paid 15 What happens then? You, ha you still have that person who has the same amount of responsibility by default getting more money. So then what happens to the manager who's like, yo, I'm putting in all these hours, and all this time, and then do they automatically get promoted? Uh, um... How do you do that? How do you do that? That, that structure? There's going to be some sort of shift because what, why is the manager going to put in all that extra money? All that, I'm sorry, all that extra time and energy if they can do less and get the same amount mm -hmm. so i'm just curious how that's going to shift the price of labor it's, it sounds nice on paper but what, what what will the damages be i don't know so that's a good question well pay i'm gonna read the definition of payroll okay. taxes a payroll tax is a percentage withheld from an employee's pay by an employer who pays it to the government on the employer's uh, on the employee's behalf. The tax is based on wages, salaries, and tips paid to the employees. Federal payroll taxes are deducted directly from the employee's earnings and paid to the IRS. Yeah, paid to the IRS. Um, these taxes, term federal payroll taxes, refers to taxes deducted to fund Medicare Social Security programs. They're labeled on your check when you see your check stub is Med FICA okay. and FICA on pay stubs. Mm, I'm just looking through stuff. Uh, hmm, that's something I didn't know actually. What's up? 
no, nah, like I'm reading through this and I didn't know actually what payroll taxes, like what it looks like. Hmm. I don't know. So I take back what I said, but some kind of tax incentive for employers would have to be an incentive. I think it's, it's going to be more difficult for for small businesses. Well, I think you would have to focus directly on small businesses, especially with something like this, because they will be hurt the most. Um, that's where most of our jobs still come from. But that's what I'm saying. But it's like, again, it's you're raising the price. You're raising the, the price of labor. You, like, if the minimum wage is the federal standard is $15 an hour, that means everyone in your grocery store, you're paying them that much. And it's going to... The profit margins are already slim. I don't want to say it's going to kill small businesses who and, and bigger corporations can thrive on, on that. Mm-hmm. But, but like small businesses, I, I really could see that wiping them out. Hold on, let me look this up real quick. Hopefully, it's something short. Okay, so it's I'm looking at MS. Was it MSN, right? Oh, why don't we do this in the beginning? <laughs> I just thought about it. One. Uh, just go straight to like, what would it do? Um, instead of taking the scenic route. All right. Mm, let's see, let's see, let's see. It would, yeah, like we discussed, it would harm small businesses and companies already struggling since the Great Depression, basically. Mm, continue reading. Let's see here. Yeah, so I, there's just a little snippet from right here. So mm-hmm. while low-wage workers advocate for a minimum wage increases as an issue of fairness and, in some cases, survival, Business owners argue that small business minimum wage increases would force them to lay off workers and raise prices to their consumers. So, and that makes sense because if your profit margins are already slim, that means like, yo, now it's costing you more to make your hamburgers. You run your little your little hamburger shop. Mm-hmm. It's like you either have to terminate an employee, hire a robot, or raise the price on your hamburgers but somebody's gonna feel it you know yeah. and so it's like wow it sounds pretty on paper mm-hmm. you know raising the minimum wage again you have to take into the notion of inflation which we are already uh dancing on the tippy toe of that with all this stimulus again mm-hmm. everyone is now has 15 dollars an hour that means there's more competition to compete for who can get those new Jordans, who can get these uh, newest electronic consumer crap. But that means, oh, they're not going to, because people are making more money, it doesn't mean that goods are going to come out more frequently. Like, oh, everyone has $15 an hour now? More iPhones are going to come out. No, there's going to be scarcity. There's still only going to be a set amount of production, which means prices on goods are going to go up. So it's like, it sounds nice on paper, but we'll see how it plays out. Because at the same time, we still have to take into consideration, you know, the people, the, the people who are working 
you know, and are, are barely making by on, on those wages. But inflation. Um, shout out to Ryan. What's up, black man? Yep. Been a long time. Uh, we're talking about the minimum wage going to $15 an hour. I'm sure you kind of caught some of it. Basically, federal minimum wage is $7.25, which is horrible. Anyway. Um, oh, yes. So, let's see. I don't know. And then COVID throws a wrench in everything. So, I'm just trying to see. I'm trying to see, like, what would happen. I don't know. I feel like you raise an interesting point. So say everybody goes to $15 an hour. Because of technology, Mm -hmm. it would be possible. I think you would have to um, enrich small businesses with the tools to compete with large businesses in a way. So say a mom and pop, I don't know, clothes manufacturer or something like that. Mm-hmm. You would give them incentives to upgrade the technology in their factory to be able to pay the $15 um, an hour for their employees, but they probably would have to downsize some of their employees. And here's the thing, and this is why I foresaw it with McDonald's, and I get, mm-hmm. I like your way of thinking, and I would do that too to, to, to encourage small businesses to thrive. But like, you can't. You're going to break the machine if you give more money for the same amount of work. So I foresee definite terminations, but at the same time, the people who are retained would be taking on the responsibility of working and maintaining the robots or the machines that would be supplementing the the, the loss of, of manpower. Like we, we saw, we see it all the time, the little... The little robot that makes fries and flips burgers and stuff like that. And we laugh like, ha ha, yo, that's cool, sci-fi. But like, now that's a reality. It's mm-hmm. almost like, uh, hmm, am I going to drop six stacks to get this robot? Or am I going to pay this employee X amount of time, plus workman's comp, plus unemployment, plus mm-hmm. insurance, plus blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And it becomes more prudent to hire the machine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, this is reality we're in, man. Yeah, I, but this is the thing I fight with. If I had a debate with my homeboy about this, I was like, the wages that we do have are unacceptable, though. You got to yeah. at least acknowledge that. Um, as far as $15 an hour, like, that's really catching up from, like, 40 years ago. That's why I that's didn't such a say is because they didn't correct it from, like, as you just said, 40 years ago. So... That that was my argument. We were going back and forth, but I'm like, something has to change. Granted, technology is going to change it anyway, just like we were just discussing. Machines are going to take most of the jobs. Andrew Yang was ahead of the curve on that one as far as the last uh, campaign, election campaign. But he was off with the universal basic income. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm just saying, just no, no, no. I'm saying just for the technology part. I'm not talking about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm just saying it's like, so we, we, we identified it, that we are now living in the era of 40 years of, of you know, of fiscal irresponsibility in the corporate sector, as well as, you know, federal reserve policy with inflation, because wages have not uh, taken into account of inflation, which is like averaging 3% a 
a year and your wage your some what annual raises can be like one percent or something like that so that line well, that you keep it's like well, you get closer to drown i would say for a new law mm-hmm. from upgrade america people should get cola every year across the board cost of living allowance i like that i would further inject that wages have to reflect the inflation it, it really does it the, the wages must in, in, inflect inflation but i wanted to ask you how because we, we just identified that raising the wages it's gonna have we're, we're, we're tweaking the machine that's gonna have effects but how do you correct that 40 year mistake what do you think is the best course of action Oh, man, that's tough. It's kind of a combination of everything, like improved education, innovative education, first of all, Um, redoing our whole education system by far. Like we talked about, we're still operating off of the 1900 system or whatever. Mm -hmm. The factory mindset. Uh Uh-huh. Making sure... Either you're specialized, I would say more cross-functional, you know, like cross-training. So you brought up a good example with you downsize employees, but now the employees that you retain have to learn how to maintain those machines. Yes. Well, that in essence would up their value right there. So then essentially they would be getting paid more from the money that they're saving from the people they just let go. They would be more technical. I agree by keeping them aboard. So I would say we're basically just going to go more to a STEM society, to be honest. Now, what do you mean by STEM? That's science, technology, uh, yeah, engineering, yeah, yeah. and mathematics, I think. And then oh, I, yeah. guess you, I, I guess totally you would add medical to that, too. I totally agree with that because, again, I just watched the transition. When I was in high school, you know, associate's degree used to be relevant. So like, yeah, you got your associate's degree, you can be this type of manager, whatever. And then, you know, get to the Air Force, you know, you, like, bachelor's degree was like, it had some weight. Got into the corporate world, you know, bachelor's degree had some weight. Then it got to the point where the master's degree is like, yo, that's what you need. And then, I don't know, distant future, it's, it seems like everyone's going to be doctors. <laughs> you know, like, who, doctors and scientists. Or, or something, as you mentioned, in in the fields of, of these STEM fields. But my mm-hmm. question for you is: There's going to be a failure rate. Like right now, I, I don't want to say that homelessness and poverty poverty rate is a metric of, of failure, but like I think that's going to raise higher when you're saying, "Yo, you either get technical." Or you get fired, yeah, and and then replaced by a machine. And you know, there's the whole notion of teaching truckers to code and how that's not a that's a hard switch. And there's going to be a lot of people, particularly older people, it's going to be difficult for them to make that switch. So that's why we need to have that safety net in place for for, for those who can't do it. And I, I want to say it's going to be more than what we're managing now or failing to manage right now. So that would go more towards we were talking about having more universal basic uh, assets. That's what that's what we named it, right? Yeah, UBA, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's Uber. what shelter, food, uh, internet, and what was the other Medi- thing? Medical care. Yeah, medical care. 
and say what you want about government, um, you know, as government services, like something is always better than nothing. So for the people who have absolutely nothing, some mm-hmm. sort of government health care, not Medicaid or Medicare where you have to deal and dabble with the private sector. I'm talking about like kind of how what Biden proposed is in having those mobile clinics and, and, and things of that nature. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's just a fascinating world we're progressing into where we're having all these questions we got to answer. Like now, we don't have time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's and it's moving so fast. Mm-hmm. It's all these rapid decisions and everything. It's moving so fast and it's wild. But we'll be on deck when they need us, CJ. Do you know it? Um, what was the other article you're talking about? Uh... So did we discuss that NRA? No, yeah. We mentioned in these times of, uh, you know, pandemic, COVID, you hear a lot of organizations, you hear, you know, uh, (laughs) there's states going bankrupt, you hear of counties going bankrupt, nations going bankrupt, and now uh, there's mention of the NRA and the National Rifle Association, and they're one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, lobbyists for, you know, arguably for a Second Amendment. There are, there's a lot of people who will push back and say that they are fighting more for law enforcement and private security, people who are using weapons and uh, purchasing weapons in mass than the average citizen. But let me just go over this real quick. All right, cool. The National Rifle Association of America, the nation's foremost gun lobby, has filed for bankruptcy, according to the court documents filed Friday in the Northern District of Texas. The group said it plans to leave New York State, where it was founded in 1871. Wow, they got a lot of history. And they as a Texas nonprofit and moving it called Project Freedom. According to a statement pushing Friday, the Chapter 11 announced follows leadership shakeups and allegations of financial mismanagement at the NRA. We covered that. Remember, we had to believe we, uh, we talked we about did. that. We uh, did. So hold on. They're bringing it, the, this is the person that they're mentioning we, we discussed before. New York Attorney <laughs> General Latia James filed a lawsuit in August accusing the NRA's senior leadership of violating the laws governing nonprofit groups and using millions of dollars from organizational reserves for personal use and tax fraud. Wow. So this has resulted in uh, the NRA filing bankruptcy. Wow. So she was on her job. Yes, I I wasn't. uh, We covered it, and now we're seeing uh, the results. Yeah, that's wild. uh, They're setting up again. And I'm sure they'll have. It's just a name of you know they're just changing the name, and like Blackwater did. Yeah, yeah, and they're still doing their thing. But I don't want to say. Know. What do you What do you think about this though? Like it's being a Second Amendment enthusiast like yourself. What do you think about this? Um, I don't want to say it makes me a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm watching the trends, and it's like former um, former states that were very liberal with uh, or you know for 
the, the Second Amendment are now retracting, you know, their policies and, and leaning more towards, I don't want to say the ultimately uh, the confiscation of, of guns. But um, do we have examples of those states that were once more liberal with guns? So Pennsylvania yeah. is, I can only speak on Pennsylvania and there's okay. a couple other states, but I just don't recall the references off the top of my head. But Pennsylvania is dancing with legislation to make it more difficult to uh, get ammunition, some registration card or something to buy ammo, which I kind of agree with, as I mentioned about 3D printed guns. So I get that that is a, that is a, uh, a step towards accounting for who's purchasing ammo but there's all the legislation on the pipeline my understanding it doesn't make it far but um let's talk about those um the ar-15 pistols mm-hmm. i do believe congress was big on wanting to uh, seize those but my only concern is like the absence of a big lobbyist like the nra fighting mm-hmm. to preserve that second amendment I don't want to say the fight could get that much more difficult. You know what I'm saying? It's already like we're fighting tooth and nail to retain our weapons. And then absent a big giant in, in Washington advocating for that, particularly with uh, all Democrats in power, and that mm-hmm. seems to be one of their um, their initiatives, I, I just have some a little concern. But I'm sure they're going to retain all their contacts and power and influence in Washington and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm just trying to see. I was trying to find some info talking about the trends of Okay, so the four top ten states with the largest gun permit increases mm-hmm. in New England area are Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine. Um, this is coming from the Brookings, Brookings community, no, Brookings website. I think they're like a think tank or something like that. So you're saying they have the most, um, registration? Well, they're, they're saying the increase between COVID-19 to causing people to go get their gun permits and stuff because of the uncertainty of environments. Um... I'm just looking at plus anti-lockdown protests. Um, let me see well, what. It almost makes. I almost feel like a shotgun should at least be like a fire extinguisher. You know, <laughs> you know, like everyone should have at least a shotgun. You know, yeah, air or you know, I don't know, an armed robber. I don't. I don't know. I think I think we've talked about this. I think if everybody had the opportunity to hold permits and hold weapons, mm-hmm. that kind of lessens the stigma about it. And firearm safety and usage should be instituted like maybe in school or something, you know. I don't know. Some some kind of course. Did you have driver's ed? Yeah. I think you know there should be firearm safety at education or something like that like again where you diffuse the negative stigma associated with firearms because it, i hate to, to say it 
again, but the capital breach was, regardless of if it was deliberate, it was a demonstration that the, the government failed to protect their own house. You know, so again, regardless, even if there was some, if it was deliberate, there could be other deliberations where the government could fail to protect your own house. So it's best to have your own resources in place. Yeah, I don't know. I think the stigma behind guns and stuff should be dead by now. We got too much technology, too much information. We need to come together, have the the discussion. Hey, what's your what's your fears? What's your concerns? Okay, why are you so dead on set on having your your weapons? And why do you believe what you do? All right, let's marry the two and make smart legislation. Mm-hmm. Don't isolate or. Um, what do you call it? Uh, put people in the corner, basically. Like, just make smart shit where both of y'all can agree on. I don't know. I think it, it's a lot simpler than what it is. Um, the need... This is another thing we need to bring up. Okay. A UA law in education. We need to have debate and civil engagement be standard in education like teaching people how to disagree civilly mm-hmm. I kind of agree with that I don't want to say the debates that I encountered in in high school I think it was because I took like some sort of elective you know like law class or something like that mm-hmm. and I got to do stuff like that but it wasn't taught and I think that should be, yeah, I totally agree with that, you know, because words can lead to escalation. But at the same time, shout out to my defenders, who learned cool. about judo and how to <laughs> verbally de-escalate in, by using words, body placement, body language, to verbally de-escalate things. You know, like, I think that can go a long way, too. Yeah. And then also, we talked about this, too, soft skills. Yes. Should be like mandatory in all education levels. Like like this stuff is what we need to focus on. And obviously tech, you know, but. But that's where I think a portion of that money for the stimulus bill, that's what needs to be. You need to X, set aside X amount of millions so you can really make that curriculum. Because it's like, here we are in like 2021. And, you know, kids are still, there are still a lot of kids who are going to school online. And I, I feels like, you know, they're just shooting from the hip. Like, there's still, uh, there's no, still no format into this. And as you mentioned, we're watching this world change before our eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, we can only imagine where it's going to be in the future, but they need to invest some more time into developing a curriculum. Yeah, I don't know, but... And you know what's kind of jacked up is we've had time to start doing this all year. Yeah. From last year, like we're coming up on a year, what, in April, March? So it's kind of like, all right, at this point, we should be figuring out how to move forward and go ahead and just tear it all down and start over. I'm laughing because, well, it was enough time to develop and test and roll out and administer a vaccine, but not enough to, you know, not enough for an educational curriculum. 
Very strong observation. <laughs> the yeah, irony is know. hilarious. But yeah, it needs to be done, man. And, uh, Profits over we people. Got some, we got some ideas, but they can profit off of this. There's huh. the contract to develop this this curriculum is going to be multi-billion. And then again, I think it's like the whole notion of different school districts getting better quality education. If it's distance learning or how do you say internet lectures that every student with an internet connection can get to. And yes, it sucks for the rural people. You know, we're, we're going to get you on internet. But like at the same time, if you can broadcast this curriculum to like hundreds of millions of, 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 of people across America, you can have some consensus on the standard of, of education. Yeah, and it's then... The opportunity. And also, it should be very fluid and real, uh, what is it, live time. Real so time. it should be constantly updating. I, I agree with that. Um, but it's... We need it, man. And I'm laughing because I'm like, yo... I didn't, when I was writing that book, I didn't think about, I didn't know nothing about COVID. I'm just like, just going with the trends, you know, mm-hmm. you pay money on taxes, these gargantuan buildings, you know, that are costing taxpayers, you know, so much a year. Going remote is, I don't know, it seems to be the way to go. The main concern is how do you account for these kids, you know, are being like home alone and things of that nature. I don't know. Um, what's the other thing? Oh, the U.S. population, according to some number I saw on one of the sites I had pulled up, is roughly at about 332 million now as of December 20th of 2020. 332 million. Wow. That's still quite a bit. But when you take into consideration that he wants to, Biden wants to vaccinate a hundred million you would, do you think there's really a hundred million people who are that eager to just to get this thing and, and within a hundred days I am starting to think the tide will turn because people are tired of these conditions especially states that are locked down I can actually start seeing people caving in and be like you know what fuck it like I'm just taking this shit I'm tired of living like this da, 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 da. like I can see it actually People are like just fatigued from this. Like they're just like, yo, I want to get back to somewhat of a normal life. And if I gotta just take these dumb shots, I'm gonna do it and keep it moving. I'm I'm hearing you talk and in my mind I'm thinking like I saw this 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 meme where it was like FEMA Walmart and it was like barbed wired up, you know, guards at the door. And I'm like, in that scenario where you gotta have that shot to go in there to get any type of groceries or what have you, I'm thinking like, I don't know, bro. I just hope it doesn't come to that. (laughs) I I got a question though. This song, I guess we don't flip it on the other way. What would it take for us to, for us to want to get the vaccine? Um, what would be like? All right, you know what? I'll take it now. 
what 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 would what would that take what you know what you said what zombies (laughs) but it's like and even the bad it's like no Mm -hmm. it's what would it take yeah what would it take to say hey listen it's finally safe we got all the kinks out da, da, da. like what would you have to hear to be like you know what I'll take it now I still don't trust him I don't want to get off topic but Bill Gates is getting like he's buying it. he has like the most owns the most farmland in America now so you already know the conspiracy theories are circulating with mm-hmm. that but well, he's going to be growing there but it's like I what would it take? Mm-hmm. Fatality rate is if the fatality rate is up, even thirty percent. I still don't think I would. I would practice extreme social distancing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking about complete isolation. Get everything from Amazon. Ship it. Spray it. Decon. I don't know, man. It's. I don't ever want to take another vaccine again, and I'm cool with that. Yeah. I was sitting here thinking as you were thinking I think it would have to this is me and it might be a little extreme but um, it would have to really affect my life where I can't do anything for me to take it um, again I get what you're saying but what are you, yeah. about, are you talking about like you said as you mentioned the whole female walmart you can't buy goods and and services yeah like just basics like if i can't do basic stuff because i'm not vaccinated Mm -hmm. to function and i think having that the standard across the board where everybody kind of falls under that unfortunately i feel like at some point it wouldn't be worth the fight anymore to withhold from taking the vaccination if it was if you put those as you mentioned you can't come in this store without but then again it's going to come to the mark of the beast because how are you going to manage that on paper forgeries cool whatever you have all types of forgeries yeah you can have it digital but eventually the most secure way of doing that is to put it in it i'm not taking it man yeah i don't know i just i'm just saying it had to be some really extreme circumstances pretty much for me to take it because for even if the fatality rate is like oh now there's covid 34 and it's like killing then if it comes to that yo you die or or you don't and it's like is that just me being rebellious is it I, I mean, it's right. It's right now, again at twelve forty-four, one seventeen, twenty twenty-one. <laughs> the circumstances it would take for me to do it is like, again, even with zombies, nah. Like, I don't. Okay, I, don't, I still don't want. Let me get home first, then I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> let me not be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least let me be home first, and I can go from there. But like, 
I don't know. It's just something to think. This thought exercise. I'm sitting here thinking. Yeah, yeah, and I'm really crunching it. Like, I'm trying to see what would it really take? What would it really take for me to do it? And I can't think of a scenario at this time. And I, I, I would really not, I would really would like it not to come to that. I would really want it to be uh, where American citizens are not coerced mm-hmm. into this, you know? But right now, it doesn't seem to be heading that way. It seems like there's scarcity and there's plenty of people who want to get it. So, you know, have fun, guinea pigs. Yeah, I was going to also bring up, since we're still really on the COVID vaccine thing, I was just watching Blade 3 before the program. Right on. And it's eerily similar to what we're dealing with when they created a vaccine basically to wipe out all the vampires. And it was called Star Something. I forgot now, but interesting. And it went off of they synthesized DNA to make the vaccine. So I was thinking of the COVID vaccines. How? Oh, yeah, the mDNA. Yeah. mRNA. So hold on, what happened with the? Spoiler alert for everyone who didn't see Blade Three. But yo, run that back because it's been years since I've seen it, but I vaguely recall. Mm-hmm. So basically, when they developed it, it would kill all the vampires. But the key was they had to kill the original vampire because mm-hmm. he holds the most pure DNA for like, it to like Dracula kind of like yeah. Legend is and, you kill Dracula, all the other vampires. Exactly. And another thing that was interesting I discovered while watching this, it was filmed in Toronto, and the mm-hmm. main the main vampire name was Drake. <laughs> and I thought it was pretty damn funny. I was like, wait a minute. That's funny that Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was kind of wild. I was like, I didn't make all these connections before. But um I don't Hollywood know. is uncanny with foreshadowing, you know, the future and, and things to come. So who would be the vampires in these times of COVID? Hmm. Because again, it's like I hear about how oh COVID is hitting Latinas and black communities mm-hmm. work. And like are we the vampires? I don't know. How they kind of portray it, yeah. I would also throw in anti anti maskers would be considered vampires. Mm. Something to think about. That's pretty Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... wow. <laughs> I was just thinking about that because you mentioned Black Latin. Okay, yeah, obviously. But then I was thinking about it's like, well, anti maskers kind of fit in that category too. Well, yeah. Like, if you really want to say like the Trump, a lot of the Trump supporters, you know, they fall into that. But it's like twenty twenty one is just a sequel. It's still a movie, guys. Uh, uh, what else? What else I you got? On the list, and I didn't get to do the research myself. But my understanding is that CIA did release some UFO documentation, mm-hmm. and there's okay. uh, some place called the Black Fold or something like that where you can get this. Hmm. I didn't read the papers myself, but I, I would like to make some time to do okay. it. Okay. I'm working with the the theory for, you know, writing my sci-fi novel. 
that COVID is just the alien test or something like this. Seeing how, re- how we react or some shit. I don't know. But all this is... It's, it's wild, man. Like, it's, it's really strange how this one little bug is changing the world literally in less than a year. Yeah, that is crazy. Um, what what book? Where you say you're reading a book? You wanted to tell the folks? Oh uh, yeah. So um, right now, yo, shout out to Flawless. Um, I'm watching. I mean, I'm listening to the audio book uh, from Fifty Cent. It's a uh, hustle harder, hustle smarter, and it's really great motivational book. He goes into like you know his diet, his workout, his ethics. It's really ways a uh, I want to say I'm maybe a couple hours in, but it's very motivational. Like you, you always hear 50 Cent rapping about like he's a partier and stuff like that, but this he's um he's sober for the most part. He doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink. He says like when he goes out and he parties, first thing he does, he pours champagne all around. And then he says he has one of his guys fill the bottle up with ginger ale on the low, and then he just drinks it. He just drinks it on the low like that, you know. Smart. And he said another thing too why he does that is because when everyone else is drinking, their guard is down. And he says you can get a lot of information from people like that when you're sober. I played that game when I did my uh, sobriety thing. I would still go to the clubs. And it wasn't as appealing because you're everyone is so is so wasted and annoying. But it's like <laughs> if you ever want to be the smartest man in the room. Go sober to go sober to a bar, and everyone is everyone is babbling idiots. Yeah, it was a really great book. Oh, there's one more I want to shout out, and you may remember his name. It totally escapes me, but the book was called uh, "The Right Kind of Crazy." He also wrote a book called "A Hundred Deadly Skills." He's a Navy SEAL, and that was really really great audio book I listened to, and it just helped me. as far as my military experience, you, you leave it and it affects you in different ways. But hearing other military members talk about that, their experiences too, it, it, it really made me feel uh, not so not so bad. It's I, I gave you some insight on my trip. Okay. I hang around two other veterans, Marines, and one is like three years removed and mm-hmm. it's still in him like you see the mill like how he walks talks like how he so it's, it's like kind of funny corner. yeah like it's kind of funny interacting with him and watching him because i'm like wow and like his buddy who's also a marine we were enlisted around the same era like we we're like 2001 to 2008 ish shout out to the bdu era you know it um so it's funny watching both of them being Marines, but both in different eras. Because mm-hmm. even within Marine culture, between these enlistments, because I think the last, the other guy I'm talking about, his enlistment was, I think he did six. So it's like maybe 2012 to something like that, 2011, 2012, something like that, 2018 ish or something. So watching his transformation is interesting but the older marine was like listen it took at least five years to get like a baseline of civilian behavior down and yeah. to, get, to get out of the military like way of life and then after that you kind of mellow out and find your own groove 
And we've both been telling him this, but he's been struggling to sift through that. And I don't think he's had anybody to really sit him down and talk to him about it. That's why I'm kind of glad I got, um, I used my GI Bill. Mm -hmm. uh, And I was able to just focus on school before jumping straight into the workforce. Because, yeah, one, I would have been a jerk. I would have been a militant jerk (laughs) going into do this, do that. Everyone out of attention. Like, yeah, oh, you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I, I you, you need that time to press the brakes, slow down, because military life is so fast. It's mm-hmm. very high tempo. But you know, just taking some time to one process that your that entire career, and then observe how you know civilians uh, do do things. I, I totally get it, but yeah, the, the civilian transition—it's it's tough. At the same time, it's it's great that he has two uh, senior veterans on deck. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, and they've been kind of rubbing off on me because I've been saying "I, I, sir" and like messing with him and stuff, and on deck, as you say. So it's been kind of funny. And then um, what else? Oh, did you want to talk about your real estate endeavors or experiences real quick or just like a snippet of it? Like what's that been like for you? Yeah, so, you know, um, it's about that time getting into, uh, I've been sitting on, been out in the military since 2012, but I've been sitting on that VA home loan. Like homes are like big boy movies and I didn't want to do that and stuff, like really ready. And like Zillow was fun, you know, you, you browse around there and then finally, you know, I'm learning this process of how to buy a home and there's a lot of steps involved. You gotta get like inspections and everything before you even like really ready to move forward with it. Cause like it's an asset. It's a to be a quarter million, half a million plus asset. You know, so banks want to make sure that the asset's in tip-top shape. But at the same time, you're only concerned with a minimal amount of things. And then there's other inspections that have to be done out of pocket. There's, it can be almost overwhelming because you're like, yo, you're taking out debt, like a lot of debt. And then there could possibly be things wrong with the house and more or less you got to sit on it. And then if the property value goes down you gotta sit on it longer till it goes back up for yourself it's a lot of things to consider but um yeah house hunting is cool it's just a, you know it's a process i'm really grateful the va home loan is i don't want to say if there's anything worth going to the military for it's the bill the the va home loan but of course the gi bill mm-hmm. but both things alone can see significantly change your your life from you know from the average civilian and it's like when you're looking you go to a mortgage calculator or something like that and you're looking at a home let's say it's three hundred thousand, and it's like just to put in the criteria they want you to put like 20 percent down so somehow mm-hmm. like yo they want 15 stacks they want 20 stacks just for you to put down as a down payment. The VA home loan does not require that. And the mm-hmm. average person does not have, you know, they don't have that type of budget sitting around 
to to put down on down payments and that's why you have this thing of renters and, and people who own and there's a lot of division in america with that at the same time yo totally grateful for for that definitely want to exploit it get into this real estate thing as far as uh flipping houses is another thing too mm-hmm. you know looking at properties that are undervalued seeing how you can you can fix them up it's it's it, I, i'm at this point in my my life i'm finding that exciting okay but. i'm right on i'm right behind your heels because of i love where i live but mm-hmm. at time is i'm starting to outgrow living there at this point um especially i'm not saying i won't run into like repairs and stuff aging where you live as far as uh having to fix things repair things but at this point like i live in an older apartment and i've been having a lot of issues lately on just the regular infrastructure like since i've been gone i had like my bathroom ceiling leaking and stuff and it's because it's an old building you know what i'm saying shout out to my boy rye for holding down my spot while i'm gone if it wasn't for him i'd be screwed while i was on the road like i would have had to really basically come back home um like thing is the positive thing with renting though is like a super or building maintenance they can come mm-hmm. and handle that you're not really liable for for that but when you own it something breaks oh your your plumbing sewage whatever like this this broke you have to fix it but to be fair i don't know anybody who has this they have services like that for home owners too i believe they got home warranties but like mm-hmm. that's another reoccurring cost that you're uh, you're throwing on top of your mortgage mm-hmm. you know, so it's like <laughs> there's a lot of considerations into buying a home like you can find a lot of and it, it almost seems like there's always a trade-off mm-hmm. like, like you'll never find your perfect home there's always well there's this fine I'll, I'll i'll deal with this you know but at the same time you just gotta keep hunting be persistent there's so much paperwork involved and i'm surprised that it does run smoothly during times of COVID. Like it's just email, digital signatures, yada, yada, yada. You know, you do meet with real real estate agents time to time, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, a large majority of this process can be done remotely. So my question with all the paperwork, why is there so much paperwork? So man, why is there so much paperwork? I'm just curious about that. Liabilities, transfers, of uh, pretty much the first paperwork is like I made them an offer. So mm-hmm. here's a fun fact: anyone who's buying home, Zillow is mad inflated. Like they'll put the properties up for like let's just say three hundred fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. And the agent I was talking to said, "Yo, the sellers they they want to negotiate," and I'm like, "I don't want a lowball," so I'm thinking like. Let me. I'm thinking maybe offer cut three thirty k, you know. And surprisingly, she 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 told me that, that I could request lower than that, you know, like because they inflate a lot of these properties. Oh, okay. You always got to go in ready to negotiate. I was like, I didn't want to insult anyone and try and be like a low low ball. Be like, well, I'll give you this much. Be like. Oh. 
my property is worth this much, but it's only a starting point where you meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. And you, you can better negotiate. But it's exciting times, man. It's like, I know. It's the name of the game is buying up the land. But it's another thing, too. I suppose, you know, it's worth noticing, like, at the end of the day, you want to buy the land. Don't pay half a million dollars for wood and for bricks and pretty stones and then because if anything happens to the house it's just like you know sure of course it's insured but you want to have the land and that's why i was like looking for these places i want acreage you know because mm-hmm. like what is the point of having a half a million dollar house and it's just on like you know you, you have no land but finding these trade-offs can be difficult very true. That's something I have to dive into at some point, probably between this year and next year. Um, what was I going to say? I was curious about this. So when you, say you buy a house, right, in a mm-hmm. suburban neighborhood. Can you buy that land, too, underneath it? Is yeah, that part that, of the deal or no? Yeah, it depends. It depends. So Okay, so, oh, man. The, it depends. Hawaii, heck no. New York City, heck no. You just own the yeah, but like other states, yes, you absolutely own the land. But here's the catch. And I, you asked me about why there's so much paperwork. Some uh, some clauses say in the paperwork, yes, you own the land. But the mineral rights, like say you, oh, I've struck gold. I've struck oil. Mm-hmm. Like someone else may lease, may be leasing or own those mineral rights. Wow. So you, have to, you have to dig pun intended you have to like you have to look into these properties and see where that stands but yeah in some states you very much you own the land and you you can own and you own the house as well huh. I just there's, always wondered that. there's so many beautiful homes and you know in, in the states out there america is a very gorgeous country and it's like, it is i want to encourage people like don't be scared to like be bound to these cities they're crumbling they're falling apart like go see america like you could they have so many affordable homes like what people are paying for rent in cities you could buy like two houses in these smaller towns like i'm seeing 700 dollars mortgages and you know like with square feet with like three thirty five hundred square feet in like one acre. Yeah, there's some fixer uppers, but you know, put in the work and you know, get some fresh air, get some space. Like people are not designed to live in little boxes. I can ramble on about real estate all day. It's exciting times. Twenty twenty one is gonna be great. You know, it's uh, like life is grand, bro. Word, uh, that's all I got, man. I think hopefully my internet, my internet is kind of timed out, but we should still be good. Um, yeah, that's all I got on my end. I guess I'll say for my closing remarks again, yo, you blessed if you're here in our show. You got the eyes and ears that you know to see and hear it, yo, you blessed. You further blessed, you know, if you got your dream, you, you got the time to, to grind and, and go towards it. Like, we're here to create, you know. With that being said, 3dhatter.com, the website is up. We're taking orders. Shout out to everyone who has orders pending. All we are waiting on 
is nozzles for blue gun. You got the little fine nozzles so you can get the little letters and Okay. Hats up to, to everybody who's waiting. But yeah, man, like life is great, life is grand. Just keep pressing towards what you want in life. Don't give up. Just avoid people who are telling you, avoid the haters, avoid the negative people, and just focus on what you want and build with people who share those similar objectives and you're gonna get where you're gonna be. We are on episode ninety six, bro. Yeah. Three, three away from episode 100 and when we first started this got a lot of feedback a lot a lot of critics a lot of haters blah blah and we're still at it because we don't listen to it <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah um i guess my closing remarks is take care of your friends and family yes indeed. and i'm gonna preach self-care Please take care of yourself. I am learning very hard lessons lately about self-care. And it's hard for me to do it because I'm so used to making sure everybody else is good. And that's just the leadership quality. Um, But I've learned that self-care is so important. You can't do anything if you are not good yourself. You can't help people here. So yeah, just putting that out there. Take care of yourself. Whatever it takes, do it. And it's, it's almost like you should schedule time. Uh-huh. Because if you don't, you may forget. And it's like there's... It seems like, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're getting money, you're doing you. You maybe have kids already. But it seems like when you get to your 30s, you know, you got more people depending on Mm-hmm. You, know, you may have your family, you may have kids, but then, you know, at that time, your late 30s, it's like your parents get into things where they are depending on you as well. You got to help a lot of people out, and that can be overwhelming, you know. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you do no one any service if you are not in tip-top shape yourself. And, like, again, I totally feel you on self-care, you know, like, you got to take that time to to love yourself and treat yourself any tips uh for me it's pretty much i watch a lot of comedy my podcasts uh sports here and there music um painting quiet just sitting in quiet helps me a lot um Walks in nature. I like walks in nature, especially at home. Not necessarily here in Indiana right now, but at home for sure. Um, eating out at different places is a therapeutic thing for me. Like new places, trying different foods is very therapeutic. So those are some things for me. I definitely agree with the nature. Food is always a comfort. I did not know you painted. Yeah, I do find that therapeutic as well. Yeah, it's like abstract painting is for my therapy. So, but I've kind of got used to. Way, I think I think I'm really glad that you're doing that. I know from experience, it's great. Uh-huh. Right. Um, what else? Yeah, that's that's all I got, man. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate the support, domestic and international upgraders. You know it. We appreciate y'all. And uh, I suppose my closing with, uh, yeah, 
force protection um, condition delta for uh, for the Tonya. Again, just for poops and giggles, it could go any way. They've already apprehended someone with a, a huge amount of, of ammunition in the capital. And this could be FBI saying this could happen in capitals across the nation, not just D.C. So then uh-huh. have some food, have some water and communication as well, too. You know, some walkie talkies. I want to figure out how so we can get some sat phones so I can contact you across the nation in the unlikely event it all does have full-on conflict. Is there such a thing? Yes. I know we have sat phones, but it's like, would they work in a conflict? Because the satellites are still going to be up and running. So we're mm-hmm. looking at those. We will. But yo, bro, again, always a pleasure, man. Love chopping it up with you. Always leave me enlightened. You know, I learned something new about what's going on in the world. And again, to everyone who's, who's watching us, thanks. Smash that like button, subscribe, share. And if you have some expertise, something that's on your mind, you know, come on the show. Share it with us. Let us know. Upgrade America. You already know. Thanks. Already. All right.